As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Down in Chicago, the Vans expect some tough competition today. It's hard to explain the feeling that we have in this locker room, the the 5-1 and one for our team right now. That's not easy to do. From the kickoff, setting the tone on special teams, to the defense doing what they did for our offense to get that touchdown was good. It's week six in the National Football League. The Bears head to Carolina, trying to go 3-0 and on the road. No problem. Bears win. Bridgewater could not find it to one, and he is taken down. Bilal Nichols with the sack, first allowed by Carolina in their last three games. Pass deflected and then picked off to Sean Gibson. Jalen would make the play on the ball. Sometimes, man, that ball did fall in the right place at the right time. Third and goal from the nine. Foles looking to the end zone. He throws, and the catch is made for a touchdown by the rookie out of Notre Dame, Cole Komet. I told our guys that we're fighters. We have a bunch of fighters on this team, guys that, that fight to the end in all three phases. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Ho. When you speak of me, speak well. Well. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. And I like to part. What's that, Judge? My boys wait and smile. Our defense and our special teams today, I thought, really played well. Bridgewater on third down in trouble. Down he goes. Khalil Mack. Now the handoff to Davis. And the ball is knocked free. It's scooped up by the Bears. Bridgewater on first down. Throws and it's picked off. DeAndre. Houston Carson comes up with the interception to put an exclamation point on this game for the Chicago Bears. What in the Sam Hill? Here they are, the Adams. For us in our room, we're going to be super fired up about five and one. Hogan Johns. And there they are, Adam Johns. Your first place, five and one Chicago Bears. No problems at all. <laughs> None. None, none. But how about it, though? Five and one, atop of the NFC North. Thank you, Buccaneers. Thank you. Who did the Vikings lose to? The Falcons. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, not that they mattered in this equation anyway. I just wanted to bring them up early in this conversation so I can remember to talk we'll talk about them later. But how about them Bears? First place, NFC North. I. Definitely, Johns did not envision a scenario where the Bears were five and one, and I was writing a post game column roasting the offensive line. We maybe we put that off to I don't know if we want to lead with that or not, but their offense is still a problem, and the reason why I am struggling. To make the let me say this, okay, to our listeners. If you're one of those Bears fans that wants to get on Matt Nagy about everything with the offense, this is probably not gonna be your favorite podcast, okay? Let me just start with that. Because if there's one thing I've learned over the years being around football, it is that play callers look like awful play callers when nothing is getting blocked. And that's what I'm seeing. Most weeks, I am hesitant to put the O-line on blast until I at least go back and watch the coach's film to get that end zone angle because it is hard to see that stuff, especially from the field, 
but also from the the Fox broadcast. Today, it didn't matter. You could see it. It's a problem. And to me, the Bears are 5-1. and one. They have a huge opportunity, Johns, to win the NFC North. At 5-1, and one, you can be talking about first-round buys, especially if you knock out the Rams next week, knock out the Saints, okay? You win those games, you are well into the conversation about first-round buys and potentially sort of controlling your own destiny to the Super Bowl. I just said those two words. That kind of stuff can't realistically be talked about right now until they fix their offensive line. And in terms of fixes, I don't have any. That's the problem. Well, you can't fix it at this point. You're already down your second-round pick at left guard. You made a switch at your backups at left guard. Rashad Coward getting the start over Alex Bars. Maybe missing Juan Castillo... This past week was more significant than Matt Nagy wanted to let on. It's not ideal when your offensive line coach isn't in the same state that you're currently playing a football game in. It's not ideal, but that's an excuse. We know the offensive line has been problematic for a while now. You can even go back to, to last season, but there is no quick fix because the personnel isn't going to be addressed after the season. So you got to find out what you could do with them. Maybe that's more passing, less running. I don't know. I can see you. Today was a game where you look at Matt Nagy and you're like, oh, yeah, I know why he's, you know, loses patience with this offensive line, with this run game, because it doesn't work. Not one bit. <laughs> okay, it got better later, but you you get my point here. Well, eventually they did actually break a few runs late. Um, not many, but there was one for 11, there was one for 12, there was one for seven on that last three and out that didn't, you know, they threw the ball on third down. But that actually, to me, is a credit. I would actually give Nagy credit for that because the, the 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 whole reason for trying to stay committed to the run, even when it's not working, is that eventually you're going to wear down the defense and break some late. I think that actually happened today. If you actually look at what happened, Nagy called 15 first down run plays in this game. That's a decent amount especially for him, especially when it's not working. And they averaged 3.8 yards per carry on those plays. But to me, what's more alarming is that only six of them went for four yards or more, which is what you would consider a good first down run play. And just as many, six, went for one yard or less. A few of them went for zero. A few of them went for negative one. So, you're getting into way too many second and long situations. And you're also experiencing some success when you throw the ball on first down. You're picking up four or five yards, which is what you're trying to get on first down. So if you can't get it on the ground, it's almost insanity to keep trying. That's where my defense for Nagy comes in. You just can't call plays when they're not blocked. This is also where Matt Nagy would interject in the conversation, right? Like he did on the Zoom call. Right? Did you hear this part? Yeah. Well, I don't. I, yeah, go ahead. Okay, where he go? <laughs> I understand we want to look at all the negatives and stuff, but really, guys, what's really cool is that our defense played lights out today. They played awesome against a good offense. I just want to be careful of getting too much of that. It's the negativity he's talking about again. I'm pretty excited. He continues. We're five and one. So I know you want to focus on the offensive line. And rightfully so, they are a problem, Adam. But they're still, you still want to keep going. You got more. Well, I'm looking at you. One, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. Okay, get it off Because I get where Nagy's coming from. He just played the I'm going to blast them after a win card after the Bucks game. Okay? He, he, what a great press conference it was on Friday after that game. We need to focus on the details. We need to focus on the details. And then they spent 10 days focusing on the details, and they couldn't get it in the right formation on the first damn play of the game. Was it the first play when they got the del- what was it what first I or second play? I believe it was play? the the third game, third. Wh- whatever they they they're they're gonna get a delay a game and they have to call timeout and then they come out of the timeout and they get the delay a game and that goes beyond the offensive line. That's just still part of the problem. And and honestly, I would put th- that conversation. I'm open up to more of coaching issues. Okay, when it comes to this offensive line, and you got. Rashad Coward. So here's one example. First first and 10. Nice four-yard run. That's what you're looking for, right? Second and six. Rashad Coward gets run over by a rookie. 
loss of three. So the next time you ask me why Matt Nagy doesn't commit to the run, there you go, right there. There's an example. Late in the game, it's third and ten. The Bears are in the red zone. The Panthers go with a three-man rush. A three-man rush. The Bears can't block it. Nick Foles has to unload the ball early because Charles Leno Jr. couldn't give him even two seconds on a three-man rush. Like, these are simple... I'm not picking on complicated stunts. I'm not picking on different things that happen at different points. You know, I'm willing to give the defense credit when they just make a nice play. This is simple one-on-one breakdowns that can't happen if you want to be taken seriously as a real contender. You want to know why the Bears keep going underdog. Under They're going to be underdog next week. They're probably going to be big underdogs to the Rams. They're going to be underdogs to the Saints. They can't be taken seriously, Johns, as real contenders until they block better. All right, I'm done. That's fine. Sorry. You feel better? You feel better? Yeah. You're right. They're five and one. They're in first place. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that. Good job. I love the nitpicking of the offense, though. It is 100% fair. But I, this is my column for yesterday. Kevin Fishbane actually handled the offense. So if you want to get nitpicky with the offense, Read Kevin Fishbane's column and the athletic tomorrow. My column, I was lucky enough to get the defense. And I think they got the best defense in the entire NFL. I know the Steelers have an argument. I know the Ravens have an argument. But you know what? Those teams also have Ben Roethlisberger and Lamar Jackson. We got a little quarterback switch here in Chicago and an offense that can't get itself ready on the third play from scrimmage. The Bears' defense is championship caliber, again. They're even the, the potential for a breakout game. It, it, like, they're flirting with it. Like, Eddie Jackson is just waiting for that two-touchdown game again. Like, I thought he was going to have it again, especially in that wild sequence of plays in the third quarter. So while you could criticize the offense, and they are completely fair game, although did you know that David Montgomery finished with more rushing yards than Mike Davis? Hey, that's a good way to mention that both of us got our bold predictions right in this game. Yes, yes. So take that and think about that, as Matt Nagy would say. I just think, you know, at 5-1, and one, you can feel good. I Like, the offense is bad, but you can really feel good, like great even, about how great this defense could be. They are, they are a championship caliber unit. Just look what they did to Teddy Bridgewater with just look the statistically. Like, he was having such an efficient season. Did not look like that whatsoever against the Bears. And I know they missed some plays, but the Bears' defense missed some plays too. I, I think, though, that that's why this is sort of related, like these two conversations. I think that's why I'm so yeah. passionately coming at the offensive line today because you're right. They're back. I don't know that this defense is quite as good as 2018, but they're showing signs that they could potentially be. And, I mean, when you got DeAndre Houston Carson coming out in the last two games, coming up with a big game ceiling play as the closer. I I mean, I tweeted it. I don't, I don't know if the Cubs need a closer, but the, if the White Sox need a new closer, DeAndre Houston Carson. DHC is your guy. Sign him. I mean, he's the guy. But, like, they're, they're getting the plays, the game-changing type plays, despite, and I'm, I swore I wasn't going to be the one to bring this up. I was going to let you do it. Despite, the refs holding back the defense from some amazing plays, they're getting the job done, right? And you have a quarterback out there now. Like, Nick Foles isn't the greatest, but he is a proven Super Bowl MVP. That happened. He has already shown in his career that he is good enough to take a team that has a good defense and an okay offense to the Super Bowl. But that Eagles offense is in 2017 was a hell of a lot better than this Bears offense. And specifically, their strength was the offensive line. So it's great they're 5-1, and one, and Bears fans should be happy about that. But if they're going to take advantage, to your point, Johns, this great defense that is doing its job and then some right now, they got to figure that out. I feel like this is the, the point or part of the podcast where I want to tell our listeners to to be happy that they're five and one, and I'm sorry that Adam Hogue is yelling at you at this, <laughs> at this moment. 
because you should enjoy your 5-1 Bears. You, you should be ecstatic that they're atop the NFC North. You should have enjoyed watching the Buccaneers slap around the, the Packers uh, during the afternoon game. But yes, there are concerns. And maybe this is a great segue to the Nick Foles conversation here because, man, was he fired up in that post-game interview, Adam. Like, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the the edginess. The Like, he did it in such a nice way, too. Like, I, <laughs> maybe just play it. Like, he was yelling at us, but he was nice about it. That's how I would describe Hello, it. He was, doing? This is Nick Foles. Just entered the meeting. Oh, boy, did he enter it ever <laughs> after the game. No, you're right. We should play this. I've been actually looking forward to playing this because it was one of those things that you could not convey on Twitter properly. So it kind of starts with the second question. We'll play the whole thing for you because I really think it was a great press conference. Here's Nick Foles after the Bears moved to 5-1. and one. Nick, the, uh, the first possession was kind of uh, some good and some bad in there. What did you think of that, the short field that you had, and um, how did the delay of game happen? Yeah, we were just we were having issues. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, we got to look back just with communication in the huddle and uh, – not the greatest way to start, but ultimately we were able to get a touchdown um, and get Cole's first touchdown, which is huge. But um, we just got to be better. Um, a couple of unique plays right there uh, that we weren't able to line up correctly. So we got to figure out what was going on um, and move on. But uh, thank goodness we were able to put together a touchdown right there with the short field because of our defense. Mike Berman. Nick, the trend kind of continues. You're not finding that consistency that you you're striving for on offense, but you are winning games. How do you come to grips with all that? Is this what you guys are kind of a, a win, ugly, inconsistent team? Are you okay with that? Or does the offense really have to improve for you to go where you want to go? Well, I first say, would you rather uh, lose pretty or win ugly? I think that we'd rather win ugly. Um, you know, I think that's the common thing. So uh, I think it tells you a lot about our team. Is this who we are offensively? We want to improve. We want to get better. We want to have rhythm. But ultimately in the NFL, it's about winning games. Um, it doesn't matter how you do it. It just matters that you get it done. If you put up 50 points and you lose a game, those 50 points don't mean anything. Um, so right now we're winning games. We're playing together as a team. We can improve. I think that's exciting. If we were winning these games and playing perfect and they were this tight and we're playing perfect, what do you do? Where do you improve? I mean – then we're sitting here and it's like, man, I, I guess when we just, you know, play those teams, it's just not going to happen. Well, right now we have a lot of areas to improve offensively once again, but we are figuring out ways to, you know, score and get points and move the ball and do those things. We can fix what we're doing. It doesn't happen overnight. Offenses don't get fixed overnight. And sometimes they don't get fixed throughout the course of years. You've seen in the NFL, there's been teams that have been bad offensively for a very long time. We're not one of those teams. We're a team that's young offensively. We're growing. We're getting to know each other. We're figuring out who we are, and we're doing it at the right time. And as a team, we're winning these games. And I think that's what's important. Now, we're not going to get complacent and say, hey, man, we're 5-1. and one. This is it. No. Like, we're sitting there in the locker room after the game talking through it. Hey, we got to be better here. This is what we got to do here. Communication here. Route running here. Hey, we got to be able to run the ball here. We know that. I know you're all going to ask those questions. We know that. And that's what's exciting because we don't have to have y'all say, hey, you doing this? Hey, we know. But we also know that we're going to improve because we believe in one another. And that's what great teams do. Great teams find a way to win a game. Bad teams win with prettiness. Great teams win no matter how it takes. So I'm proud of our guys. I, I, I think we're continuing to improve. Are we where we want to be? No, we're not where we want to be. But I'm excited about our offense. I'm excited about the guys that are there. I like the communication that's happening on the sideline. I love the passion of the players. Most important, they care. And we're bonding. We're getting to know each other. That's football. Like, you don't just go out there and play football. you got to care about the man next to you to make those plays. So I like where we're at. I know we're going to improve. I believe in our staff. I believe in our players. And I'm really grateful to be a part of this organization. Dan Wiederer. Nick, on the, on the touchdown pass to Cole, wondering what your eyes told you and what gave you the trust to give him that opportunity. And given some of the conversations that you've had with him recently about uh, just him staying patient, what was the reward for him obviously getting in the end zone for the first time? You know, the, to be honest, the play wasn't even designed for him. We haven't thrown that route all week, and there was just something in my gut where I'm like, I'm going to pull this trigger right here. He's going to catch it. We're going to go, and that's football sometimes. They had a guy covering down 
um, on our running back, and they did a nice job with their coverage, pushing a guy over and playing a little lower. And, you know, Cole made a great play. There's a reason he's here. He can make those plays and go up and, you know, help us out. And I, I was talking to, you know, Jimmy in the locker room. I think Jimmy Graham caught his first touchdown as a rookie in the stadium as well, which I think is really cool. Um, I don't know if y'all knew that. Pretty cool, though. Now y'all can write about something else. So there you go. You're welcome. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. Pat Finley. Nick, I, how much better do you guys need to be at the deep stuff? It, it seemed like there was a lot of short and intermediate throws today. Uh, to be as dangerous as you want to be offensively, how do you fix up the deeper stuff? Yeah, I mean, each game is its own entity. I, you know, re- studying this defense, I think they're number one in not giving up um, explosive plays. If they're not number one, they're up there in the top. So the reason is they play a lot of zone. So it's hard to hit those deep plays. Um, you know, there was a couple of times we tried to, it didn't work out. Um, but that's something we got to keep working on. We got to be able to get those big chug plays. Um, we got a few, but we got to get more. And I think they're going to come. Once again, being able to figure out how to win is great because now we can, hey, we won, but hey, let's get better. Let's try to get some bigger plays. Let's get our playmakers out there. Let them do the thing downfield. That'll open up the box, help us run the ball. And then we just continue to improve as an offense. Kevin Fishbane. Hey, Nick, I want to ask you about two plays kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, what, what happened on the interception? And then on the flip side, the third and nine to A-Rob. Um, how did that play develop for you? Uh, interception, um, you know, I felt pressure from the left. Tried to roll. I was trying to make a play. Um, it was a dumb interception. I was just trying to, you know, get us down there, um, try to get it over. Uh, the defender guy made a good play. In reality, that's on me. In reality, I should just throw it away or try to hit Jimmy for a two-yard completion and go to second down. Um, I got a little, you know, too aggressive just trying to make a play. Um, I'll, I'll learn from it, put it in the data base and move on. And then um, I assume the third and nine was uh, when I hit – was that the, the personal foul too? Is yeah. that what we're talking about? Yeah, fourth quarter. Um, you know what, A Rob's a you know A Rob should not be open on that play, and they had two guys on him, and he was able to split him and make a play, and then we got the penalty, and that's a huge part of the game. So um, he's a guy that I trust. Um, even when he should be covered, he's not covered, and uh, that was a big play in the game. So happy he got open. JJ, Nick, you talk about believing that these issues are are fixable, and because you you have all this belief in your teammates, are, are there other things that make you believe, hey, like the issues that have popped up while we're winning and learning how to win will get fixed throughout the season that go beyond, you know, believing in your teammates? Or is that really the most important thing here? You know what? I think the thing is when you win a game like this and you get back to the locker room, obviously you're excited because it's very hard to win in the NFL. But when you can sit down as men and you're not satisfied, not satisfied and not happy and you, you want to discuss where we can get better right after a win against a good team, that tells you a lot. Because we could easily just go in there and you know what, we won, doesn't matter. No, that's not what was happening in the locker room. We were sitting there having discussions. How can we do this better? What can we do here better? Coaches and players are talking. And that is what it's about. We're not getting complacent. We want to get better. And we're talking. It's easy to say, hey, five and one, this is awesome, NFL. No, that's not what I see here. And I've been on teams where maybe at the beginning of the season, you're trying to figure out who you are offensively. You're sputtering at times. And then all of a sudden, you just keep believing. You keep working. You keep watching film. Who do we want to be? What do we do well? How can we do this? And then all of a sudden, there's that one game that it just clicks. And it's happened many times in my career. I've been a part of it. But it all starts with after games like this, you sit there, you have the conversations and you are not satisfied with simply winning the game because you know you have to get better. And I think that's just in life and what we do. You can't just be satisfied and become complacent. You have to continue to work on the little details every single day with what you do to get better. And then it'll just it's going to click. You got to believe without belief. Nothing's possible. Brad Biggs. Hey, Nick. Uh In the uh, no huddle, it wasn't a a hurry up or anything today, but it certainly seemed to provide a little bit of spark or or maybe a momentum for the offense. What is it that that made that work today? And and I think you you probably had some success using that against the Bucs as well. Can you talk about what makes that click for for you and the offense? I think it's tough for a defense when you switch speeds. Um, it's like playing basketball. You got a fast break, you bring it up, you know, you do all these different things. You got to show them these different speeds and it ultimately comes down to putting stress on the defense and then letting players make plays. Uh, when you go no huddle 
hey, they're on their heels. When you when you huddle up sometimes, they can get a good call on for what they practice all week. Well, all of a sudden you're no huddle. Some of their calls aren't possible from that situation. So I think it's a good uh, change up. Is it something we're going to major in? I don't know. Um, but we're going to continue to work and show these different speeds because I think that's what offenses do. Great offenses do. You can you can huddle up. You can do well. You can go no huddle, switch to speed. You can go super fast. Um, and it becomes dangerous because then all of a sudden that team you're playing has to work on those and I thought today for, you know, really our first time switching up the tempo like that, we were able to get a couple good drives going that really helped us get a W tonight. A couple more for Nick. Jason Leisure. Nick, as imperfect as it was, was did this feel a little more thorough and complete of a game to you guys where you're not scrambling at the end trying to come back? Yeah, I mean, I don't even – were we down it? I, I don't know. Like, I mean, you I was – yeah, and that's the thing is, like, I play – I stay in the moment. Uh, I don't worry too much about the score. I just play because it's, it's too much of a grind in the NFL. If you start playing and, you know, obviously you got to be smart at times, but um, I think that's a, that's different. We're not playing from behind 16, 17 points. We, we, had, the, we had the lead. We were able to keep the lead. It was a two-score game at some points. Um, then it went to one score, and then we were able to move the ball. Defense comes up big. Once again, great team win. Not easy. Um, really proud of our guys. But, uh, you know, it was different where we're not at the end trying to, you know, come back and make plays and win at the last second and stuff like that. So it was nice to have that lead. It's just now we got to build and put more points on board. So, hey, we didn't hit that four-minute a little earlier and finish the game. Last one, Dan Wiederer. Nick, you seem genuinely more juiced up than, than we've seen you at any time uh, since you've been in Chicago. Is that a fair assessment? Hey, you know, the more you play, the more you're with these guys, the more you grind out these wins and we get to know each other. I'm excited, but I think I'm just excited because I, I felt like we got a little bit better um, tonight. We're, we're, I feel like we're figuring out who we want to be, um, and that excites me. I, I think the conversations after the game in the locker room juiced me up and got me excited uh, because we're not just sitting there happy with winning. And that excites me about this um, with these guys. Um, I'm exhausted. I can't wait to take a nap on the plane. Um, but I, I am hitting a little bit of adrenaline right now. But once I hit that bus in that plane, I'll be out. But uh, I think it's the conversations in the locker room with my teammates. Um, we were able to get a, you know, a Meek Mill song on in the locker room. I, I reminded me of, you know, Philly a little bit, you know. So I, I, that, I'm not going to lie. That got my juices going. So shout out to Meek. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, was uh was it dreams and nightmares so i just it brought back a memory for me that was exciting and then we were i might have got up and danced a little bit i'm used to i'm more like country maybe some christian rap but i'll tell you what if meek comes on with that song i get rolling johns we gotta get the meek mill going yeah here yeah yeah i love the uh oh you're gonna play that you're looking like you're gonna no no i don't have it i uh i'm in fact i'm not even gonna lie the uh the old Google Mini in my office uh, came in handy there. Google Play Meek Mill Dreams and what do you say? What was the song? Oh, you I, did it right after his. Not the my press strength. Yeah. I just want. I didn't know the song. Okay. I'm a little embarrassed to say it. Okay. Well, Club Dub was clearly rocking again, and I love it. Like, it, I feel like this is really going to endear himself to Bears fans a bit more because he's not happy. And he showed some emotion after a win. Like he's just not going to take the win and settle for it. Like this is a, a guy who sounded like Super Bowl champion. He's upset after they won. I think that's a positive development at the quarterback position, at least in terms of what we've covered since 2012. I tweeted this somewhat impulsively, but I still believe it. So this is my tenth season covering the Bears, and I I'm legitimately struggling to remember a press conference from a quarterback post game or otherwise that was as good as that one it was passionate entertaining and informative and he didn't give anything away which is the biggest reason why players are always so hesitant to sort of be themselves with the media and it's just not hard to understand why Nick Foles' teammates love him wherever he goes. Now, I sort of got ganged up on, I felt like, by the uh, the uh, athletic staff. <laughs> by the way, subscribe to the athletic. Skipped over that whole thing. Or maybe don't subscribe after they're ganging up on me. No, subscribe at uh, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. But John Greenberg and Kevin Fishbane started rattling off all these press conferences like Mike Glennon's This Is My Year. 
No, come on. Like, yeah, he's, he's that's just, not a good no, press no, no. conference. That's I, I sort would, of a that's a press conference we kind of mock. I, I would say Cutler did have some press conferences that were in, endearing, but in, but in different ways, especially when he knew his time was was coming to an end with with Tressman, and he yeah. was benched. Like that was a different type of emotion. That uh, Josh McCown had some pretty passionate uh, press conferences, but but not like this, right? Not with a five and one team. Not with a defense playing this way and not with a quarterback who's won a Super Bowl. It, it just You're right in saying that, that there is something different about this one with, with Nick Foles stepping to whatever they're at, the, the table with the, the microphone there in Charlotte. Well, I, I just think that there was like some genuine emotion and like something got him going there. Mike and Berman set him off. And, yeah. What do you go, Mike? Yeah, NBC Chicago's Mike Berman, you know. From his car, set off Nick Foles. Let's be honest. Like he wanted to yell, but Nick Foles is too nice to do that. Like that, that again, he endears himself in different ways, and that was some some positive fire that we saw from Nick Foles. It was definitely fire, and it was good points. Like, yeah, we're five and one. We should be happy about that. But I think almost sort of lost in there like I I felt like Nagy gave off the impression that they were celebrating and should be celebrating whereas Nick was like no we're having some real conversations about how we need to be better right like also happy and dancing to Meek Mill and all that exactly yeah he was celebrating the win but yes there were some conversations obviously with some other offensive players about but he brought up some yeah he said we're also in there talking about how things need to be better and I think like, if you want to look at this positively, and we're not going to play Nagy, but one of the things he said is, you know, like, how great would it be if you do figure out the issues and all of a sudden you're peaking at the right time? Because you don't want to be peaking right now. You want to be peaking in December and January, right? That's when you want to be peaking. And so that's a completely fair point. My problem is I just how long are we going to go through these offensive problems without fixes? Like now you've fixed the quarterback and you've seen some of those positive results. You've seen, and we broke this down after the Bucks game, tangible plays where Nick Foles is probably making a difference over Mitch Trubisky. And yet the points output and the running game isn't really changing. Oh, no, it starts up front. And you could go back yeah. to your, your rant again. No, I think we covered it. I think we covered it. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Johns. Well, this is where we need to make a decision. Are we going positive or are we going negative? Because this was one of those polarizing games where even with your, your defense that you're correctly raving about uh, I mean there was one one sequence where they had like did they have four penalties on the drive yes yes they had a couple uh 20 men on the the field penalties although it looked from the broadcast that Robert Quinn got off the field but there was know. a bunch of things I mean you had even earlier in the game you had that sequence where I thought it was fairly obvious that the Panthers were just trying to draw the defense off sides and I thought that's why Nagy ran down the sideline and called timeout. And then out of the timeout, they got him to jump off sides. However, you looked at the replay, and I'm not actually sure that the two guys that moved were actually even in the neutral zone. Right, right. So, well, I guess we could rip the officiating and raise certain red flags about the defense. But like the, the general sense I have, and I wrote about this on The Athletic, is that while every game I think will show you that there are – mistakes to be made up for on defense, that they they have proven to be pretty darn resilient when they're needed to be. And the margin of error is so slim against them. Like if if these teams don't take advantage 
of these mistakes by the Bears defense, like you may never get the chance again. I think you saw that play out a couple times here with the Panthers. Like DJ Moore has to catch that touchdown in the back of the end zone. He cannot drop that, even though I know Jalen Johnson disrupted a little bit, whatever. He's got to make that play. Those types of plays do not come about often against the Bears defense. That's how it's playing out for them. That's why I think they're one of the best. They're resilient. They're confident. They're getting after quarterbacks. The numbers against quarterbacks is exceptional. So I so while there were areas of, of concern defensively, I think every game will have that. I think overall the general vibe you should have about this this defensive unit right now is that they're one of the league's best and they're resilient when they need to be. Part of the problem is that their margin of error is so freaking small because they're not getting much help from the offense that I think we all kind of tend to magnify some minor defensive de- deficiencies. And the penalties were an issue. And you brought up the touchdown that was dropped. You, um, I mean, wasn't that more at the end? You almost made an incredible catch. Yeah, yeah. But, but Teddy, Teddy, Bridgewater, mi- yeah. Teddy missed a throw. Yes. And that was one of the things I forgot to bring up, actually, as we previewed the game last week was, you know, going back to that Saints game from last year when Bridgewater was the Saints quarterback and the Saints won that game easily. But you may remember, he missed some throws in that game. I think there was even maybe even a dropped interception. Like So there were opportunities that the defense didn't take advantage of. And I think every game is going to have some of that uh, where the defense gets a little fortunate. But... I'm sorry. I made the the prediction that this should have been a comfortable victory, and I stand by that. They missed so many opportunities, and then the refs didn't help them. I mean, they had a pick six taken off the board on a ball that I thought was clearly tipped. That penalty on Kyle Fuller for unnecessary roughness was not unnecessary roughness. I don't know what Mike Pereira was seeing either. That was a shoulder-to-shoulder collision. Yeah. He is so darn good at timing those hits. So darn good at lowering and contorting his body where it's his shoulder, sometimes the side, his hip, leading that collision, leading that tackle. And he did it again. I feel like every week we see hits like this, and every week the the officials seem confounded about what to do. Like, was that a legal hit? That looked very violent. I don't know what to do here. Let's just flag him 15 yards. Like, it's just, it's like the safe decision for them when you don't actually see the contact that needs to happen for it to be the penalty. Um, the inter- the pass interference penalty on Kyle Fuller. I think that's debatable. If you're going to allow Allen Robinson to get interfered with in the red zone, then this should be a fair game. So uh, a lot of... That's what's frustrating, John. Yeah. The, the inconsistency. So you had Eddie Jackson's got a pick... Now had two pick sixes taken off the board this season because of penalties. And if you're going to call that one against the Giants, then the one on uh was it was that the one on Allen Robinson? There was one in the game that the Panthers committed that they didn't call. That should have been blatant pass. Yeah, it was that and, play. Allen Robinson in the red yeah. zone. Yeah, and that led to a field goal, and it could have been a touchdown because they would have been within the five yard line at that point. So you got inconsistency there. Um, you know, the like Kyle- Jalen Johnson's pass interference penalty. I get it. He locked up the arm. But at the same time, he's got every right to that ball, you know? That's a yeah, and also, a, yeah. I'll point out, and I know this from talking to wide receiver coaches at both the college and pro level, those, those wide receivers are skillfully taught how to draw pass interferences. And Correct. one of them is, if you hook the defender, it's going to make it look like he's hooking you. And that's going to always draw the flag for the defense, okay? And I'm getting so between the the hits on the quarterback and the the calling all kinds of contact down the field on the cornerbacks. It is getting so hard to play defense. It's specifically getting so hard to play the cornerback position in the NFL these days. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I think there's a lot of truth to what Akeem Hicks said. I think it was back in Atlanta. You know, fans like watching defense too. We don't need to see 40 points in every single, you know, for the winner have 40, 30 points in every single game. And it's not just it's not just hard to watch because I like watching defense, but also schematically to a certain point, like 
This works against the Bears. When your strength is your defense and you have offensive problems, this is going to be a theme the rest of the season where they have good defensive plays taken off the board because the officials don't know how to force these rules. It's almost been seemingly forgotten that the defender has a right to that ball too. And look, I like scoring. I like highlight reel catches, but I do enjoy a good hit. I do enjoy defensive schematics and the things they do. Um, I think Bears fans should be very encouraged that Teddy Bridgewater's completion percentage dropped by like nearly 25% today. 20% almost today. Um, But the rules definitely favor the offensive side of the ball, which almost makes what the Bears are doing defensively all that more impressive. Because let's be honest, we remember we had all the roughing the passer penalties not too long ago to discuss. So and does it make their offensive problems even worse? Yeah. <laughs> true. 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 Well, you, first, Adam, you have to block first before you can throw the ball down the field to get those pass interferences. You know, maybe I'm just being negative today. I probably am. But even when, uh, you know, when David Montgomery like broke that first 11-yard run, like when he finally, I think it was in the fourth quarter, I just, I was in, I was, because we're sitting at home, we're not covering the games like we normally can in the press, conf- press box. I'm like, there's, there's got to be a holding penalty, right? <laughs> like, that's what was going through my mind. I'm like, ah, there must be a flag coming. It must have been a hold. Yeah. No, okay. Actually did get an 11-yard run. Good uh, job. Thumbs up. Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. Oh, man. Good job, Al. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Adam, before we get out of here, I want to talk to, to you about some of the uh, Bears' pass catchers today. Notably, Cole Komet. We finally saw him in the end zone. That had to be, feel really good for the Chicago area native. His mom was in the stands. How about that, you know? Oh, an nice. Going on there. Yeah, great story. Um, so that's good to see. But then you have Anthony Miller's game again. Three catches, eight yards. Had a first down. Didn't get the first down. What's going on there? Um, Darnell Mooney continues to just outperform him in so many ways. Still got Jimmy Graham doing Jimmy Graham things. But I just think, you know, when you think about the offense trying to figure itself out, there are so many different layers to this conversation because of what's going on with the actual pass catchers for the Bears. Yeah, and the Anthony Miller thing, you know, it's funny because someone tweeted at me, when are the Bears just going to admit that Darnell Mooney should be the number two wide receiver? And my response was, well, based on the snap counts, they did admit that in week two. Because mm-hmm. Mooney has been playing more since week two. Uh, and that's been pretty consistent. So it's interesting because I think we we focus on that draft class. Roquan Smith, James Daniels, Anthony Miller, right? They're all the same year. Uh, Bilal Nichols, too. Am I right about all that? Mm-hmm. Sometimes they get mixed up. Javon Williams. Javon Williams. Um, who's another guy that you're not really getting much of out of the offense. But what I was going to say is, on the positive note, kind of challenged Roquan Smith. Lance Briggs kind of challenged Roquan Smith on this podcast, right? He's been playing much better. He's made some really nice plays. Uh, that second down stop late in the game, I think it was the Panthers' second-to-last drive where he got off the block and made a tackle for a loss. That was a big-time play. That was a big-boy NFL play there. And and he's been much better in recent weeks. I think that that's a, a very, very good sign. So I can see him make more impactful, you know, pick off a pass here, there, and there, that you know, that type of thing. But 
He had, but he had a key blitz to it at one point in the game. So he's been playing better. James Daniels is hurt, but he was playing better before that. Unfortunately, the Anthony Miller thing, it's a problem. Yeah, it's frustrating. And I feel like there's like the positive way to look at it, like the glass half full way to look at it is that uh, another draft pick is taking those catches away from him and, and Darnell Mooney. And yeah. sometimes that just happens. But at the same time, this is a guy that you traded up for in the second round that you expected a lot more out of. So to see maybe Cole Komet get in there, make that catch over the middle, and you know Jimmy Graham's going to do what he's going to do. So th- there's just not enough balls to, to be spread around at this point in the offense. There's not enough plays. And I don't know if those plays are going to con- continue to come to Anthony Miller. I mean, a lot of those, a couple of his receptions were just quick throws, essentially runs. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Like those are like Mark Trespin like runs, which were really just quick passes out to Anthony Miller. But you know what? They, I mean, they should have more than two reliable wide receivers, I'd say. And that's pretty much what they have. Like, because you after Mooney, you pretty much go to like you said, Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet. I don't really count Patterson as a wide receiver. And by the way, Demetrius Harris, bad drop today. Three targets, zero catches. I'd like to see... They clearly scheme plays for him. I'd like to see those plays that are schemed for 86, scheme for 85. Yes, yes. I said that a week ago. When it's yeah. clearly... like it's, it's obvious that he's the first read in the certain progressions for, for the quarterback. And, you know, Trubisky missed him, whatever. Nick Foles hits him on a, on a play action, whatever. Whatever the, whatever the play is. Can we get that to be Cole Komet? There just seems to be yeah. more there. Especially with Demetrius Harris. Like, drops a wide-open first down. Like, that's a problem. And the funny thing is, Nick Foles said the touchdown wasn't supposed to go to Cole. He said he was like the... They didn't practice that all week. It's just where... And it wasn't like he was that open. It was nice throw, nice catch. But it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't even meant open. to go There's like three guys there. I yeah. got a catch for the rookie. Yeah, crazy. Um, Hey, I think we got to pat ourselves on the back, though. Bold predictions. I don't know that we've ever had a week where both of us hit our bold prediction, but it happened. So yours, we also didn't get too crazy this week, but yours was that they'd score in the third quarter. And, and I upped and that touchdown. With, with the touchdown. Yep, and they did that, and they had not done that this season. So that counts as bold. And then mine was that Mike Davis would be held under 100 yards uh, total yardage and he had 52 yards on the ground bears did a bears run defense stepped up today too i'd say that's a positive they were not leaky and i need to acknowledge that they were not leaky today uh and he only had two catches for three yards and davis has been very dangerous as a pass catcher too so another example of the bears defense completely doing their job and hashtag bear special teams did not get tweeted once today bears got shared i was gonna say you know why? Sherrick McManus is back out in the field. He was back. Unfortunately, he left the game late with the hamstring. It's probably the same injury again. So, got to hope that that's minor. Um, he makes a difference. He really does. It's a different unit when he's on the field. So, And we know that. He's been here forever. But uh, they Bears won two of the three phases today. They may have even won all three, even as bad as the offense was. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, they got to fix that going forward. All right. Yeah, just one quick thought on the NFC North. So this is going to be the Packers and the Bears. This this is their race. Like, the Vikings are not coming back. Yes. However, the Lions, not that I don't view them as contenders in the division, but they're starting to look more like that team we thought would be pesky, at least. I mean, they blew out the Jaguars today. I think you and I could blow out the Jaguars. Well, but, but that's a thing they should do. Yes. And they, 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 you know, the Bears have played some teams this year. They should have blown out, and they didn't. Touche. But to your, I, yes, I think this is a, the Bears and Packers, and um, sort of had that pat. Haven't you know watched that Packers game too closely, but had it on while we had all the work going on, and it certainly seemed like um, they were thoroughly dominated after going up ten nothing. So some defensive issues exposed, and actually that's been kind of a secret. With the Packers so far in their hot start, is the defense has been eh, yeah, iffy. Look like it. Iffy. Look like it. So, 
Yeah, and the Vikings, who we've been relatively still high on because it's a pretty good roster. Mike Zimmer is a darn good coach. Something's wrong there, man. Kirk Cousins, my guy, no longer. Three interceptions in the first half, losing to the Falcons at home. Not good. Not good at all. Not good at all. So, hey, you, you don't you don't give back the wins, that's for sure. And the Bears are 5-1, and one, but... Um, they got to figure some things out. Seems like we say that every week, but hey. Monday night football coming up. The Rams. After what happened last year, that was an ugly game in L.A. Yeah. And uh, as we're recording this, the Rams are getting set to play the 49ers. So a little bit of an opportunity to watch the next opponent. And that'll be on Monday night football. The Bears got two Monday night games coming oh, up here. With this defense, man. And they're built for yeah. prime time. They are. They are. Now about right. that offense. Whew. Yeah. Nick Foles in primetime. He's okay in those situations. All right. Signing off. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue. H-O-G-E at Adam Johns. J-A-H-N-S. Follow us on Twitter. I'll be more positive during the week. Okay. I got it out of my system today. We'll get the positivity back. Maybe. You're just cranky. I don't really have much to be cranky about. It's been raining all day. Maybe that's maybe that's yeah, my problem. It, doesn't. it looked nice and sunny and in the sixties in Carolina. Maybe that's my problem. Uh read us though. The column is up. My column on the offensive line. I still think you should read it. Um unless you want to just blame everything on Nagy and be okay, then you probably shouldn't read it. But NBCSportsChicago.com is where you can get that. All Johnsy's coverage is up at The Athletic. TheAthletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you should go to subscribe. Had a couple tweets this week of people who pulled the trigger and did subscribe. Love hearing that. You should continue to do that. And uh, you also get this snarkiness of John Greenberg coming at me on Twitter and uh, the Fishman and all his coverage. Which is fun facts. Bombardments of fun facts. He loves his fun facts, even though I'd say... 49% of the time, they're not fun. <laughs> they're still facts, but they're not necessarily fun. True. But they're the Fishman's fun facts. So you can always get those on Twitter. Follow him at KFishbane. All right, please rate and review the podcast. Appreciate you doing that. Still time to chime in on the voicemail line, too. 872 221 0046 is the voicemail line. Chime in. We'll hear the best voicemails on Tuesday. Bears are 5 and 1. We move on to the Rams, who might already be losing right now as I look over at the screen. We'll see. Maybe a winnable game. Could the Bears be 6 and 1? We'll talk about it all this next week. We'll talk to you then. See ya. Y'all stay corona free, all right? And God bless. <laughs>